How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys on SharePoint. The only uh, SharePoint show in South Africa. Oh, are we allowed to talk about SharePoint? I'm, I'm not sure if, if SharePoint's still a thing. I've got, I've got lots of SharePoint news. Uh, where, where everything is not made up and there are no points. No, zero, zero, there are no points. I've missed that, Al. <laughs> and every week it's different. <laughs> it's, it's basically the first time this year and you still can't get the intro right. I never get the, the first intro one. right. Um, exactly. I said, well, I did remember it this time, so I suppose that counts for something, right? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. So we're back. Uh, we are back. We are back. Modlin's got a little Modlin running around, and he's on, on daddy daycare, and he's, he's taken a sabbatical. And, and that's my excuse for, for not having an episode out since, I think, January. Yeah, January. Was it January? Um, it was January. Yeah. It's been all bloody year. It was the end of January, but still. End of January, yes. I think it was like the 20, it was the last week of January, on the 28th or something. Yeah, but uh, we we are back and hopefully in the swing of things to do this more regularly. I, I do believe so. Or at all. Like if, if we do one episode every three months, it'll still be more regular than we've achieved so far this year. So that'll be a bonus. Well, well the SoundCloud account still works. Fantastic. That's good to know. That is good, yeah. It's saved in my browser and I can log in. Cool. Um, yeah, it was seven months ago we did an episode. So long that our one note for our <laughs> show notes decides it doesn't like us anymore. It broke. Salt it King. Yeah, broke. it's Salt King. It won't let us, won't let us in. So. Fascinating, fascinating. So, yes, for those who haven't listened to us and for those who have listened to us, nothing's changed. Uh, the segments are still the same. We might be doing some new things this year with uh, some studio stuff. And you might be able to see us live on YouTube um, soon enough. Which would be sweet. Yeah. But in the meantime, we have our regular show for you. Starting off, as always, with a guest spot. Who do we have talking to us today, Al? So in the seven months that we've uh, taken a sabbatical from the show... I've been running around, and the problem is, if we record something and we don't push an episode out, the guests become stagnant. So this episode, or this interview was recorded at the Digital Workplace Conference in Sydney, Australia, at the beginning of August. So we, we are still relevant, and I got to sit down with Lauren Strand and Daryl Webster. Lauren is a Aussie, and Daryl's a Kiwi, and it was really about talking about where Australia is in their data center move. Remember, they got a data center about 18 months ago, and it was it was interesting to have a conversation with him about where Australia is 18 months later. And strangely enough, they're still exactly where we are in the rollout with the data center. Our customers are the same, still the same questions. So it's not as if we are, in the old days, we always used to say we are three years behind Australia and Australia is two years behind the United States when it comes to technology and what they're doing in this space. With the cloud, it sort of levels the playing fields because the cloud's cloud's cloud. And they're still where we are. It's the same with dealing with customers in the United States. It's the same conversations we're still having. How do we move to the cloud? What do we do when we are there? Is it safe to move to the cloud? Where are our passwords stored? So that hasn't changed. It was really good to get their viewpoints on what Australia's done, seeing as South Africa typically 
COP is what Australia does. So let's cross over to that interview now. Fantastic. So today I'm sitting with two uh, very good friends of mine, Lauren Strant and Daryl Webster, and I'm sitting at the Digital Workplace Conference in Sydney, Australia, and it just made sense to have a conversation with both of them. Why? Because three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, the Office 365 side of the Microsoft Data Center is actually launched in South Africa. And we know that Australia's had a data center for how long? Four. Three years? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, two plus years. All right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. two, three years, not sure. Yeah. It's old news for us now. Yes. We were based in Singapore and Hong Kong, the APAC Center. Okay. Yeah. And how, how has it been the last two, three years? I mean, I can I can talk to what we're experiencing in South Africa right now. There's just this mass mm. of customers all of a sudden realizing, well, shit, we do want to move to the cloud. We've been waiting for this for the last three, four years. And now we're ready and it's like the steam train coming. Yep. And we, we, as South Africans, we know we don't have enough resources to tackle this onslaught of customers, companies, all wanting to move to the cloud. Well, I can tell you from the Australian perspective, being on the partner side and now consultant side, it's certainly opened um, the gates to especially uh, government organisations who are concerned about data residency to begin moving, but I wouldn't say floodgates because while a lot of them pushed back on saying, no, we can't have data hosted outside of Australia, when all of a sudden the data was able to be hosted inside of Australia, they didn't jump and say, right, let's migrate tomorrow. It just became the same thing. Oh, we'll get to it when, you know, next financial year, when our budget is done, those kind of things. We still kind of have this now with uh, Teams data is actually stored in still APAC. Um, Unless you spin up a new tenant, then it's stored in Australia. And there's no current migration process. So, yeah, it, 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 we, everybody, I think, thought it was a, oh, my God, what a, there's a gold rush coming. The doors are opening. I don't think it was that. I certainly think it, it increased, but not dramatically. Mm. For, for New Zealand, um, for, for us, the data center is not in our country. But the hops to get to APAC, uh, you notice the, the performance. You know, when you're storing your documents in SharePoint... So New Zealand is Australia Island? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, okay. yeah the East Island. Of the East Island. You of could Australia. say that, maybe. You maybe it's the other that. way around. Um, but so for us, it was it was definitely about um, performance. Uh, we still have the question of data sovereignty or residency because it's not in our country. But Microsoft have given, like the health industry, or the health industry has given Microsoft the big tech. So hospitals and, and medical practitioners are you know, quite happy to store the data in there. You've got to go through your own compliancy. Look, I, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, we see the signs outside A and Z, which is the largest bank, apparently. But the largest bank in New Zealand, but it's, it's Australia, New Zealand. The, the yeah. A and A and Z yeah. is Australia, New Zealand. Correct. So, so naturally, it would make sense for me. Lauren, from your side, are you seeing what does the journey be for customers? On everyone's going to ask. Well, how do we get to the cloud, and what is the best practice? So, for South Africans, we would want to learn from the Australians and the Australia Island people. Okay. New Zealanders, I have to keep correcting that. Carry on. Kiwis, right? Kiwi. Australanders, yeah. Yeah, Australanders. So, look, Exchange Online was not really that much of a big deal yeah. because the reality is people are accessing on mobile devices. Uh, in Outlook, they're using cached mode. Yes. So it's not that big of a deal. 
from a SharePoint perspective, um, having uh, that closer, you know, that speed certainly made a big difference. That being said, there are still organizations that are architecting it poorly and are rolling back out of SharePoint or just, you know, still sticking with a poor experience. But that's their network. The fact that the data center is a hop closer, a few milliseconds closer, makes zero difference to that. Um, what it did help is with Skype for Business Voice because, you know, voice has no tolerance for latency. So that did make a, a difference in that people were then able to deploy that load. So then leads us into Teams. But again, we still have people screwing up the network architecture, which then in the world of Teams, screws up the Teams experience from a voice and from a files perspective. Um, so... It helped, but as I said, I don't think it was that much of a game changer. I think you're right to bring up the, the network performance and, and that sort of thinking and design. Um, Paul Andrew, based out of Microsoft in Redmond, he's a Kiwi, uh, but he's intimately um, interested in trying to help organizations optimize uh, that, that network performance. So wherever possible, planning for that Um you know, you are going to deal with companies that have got these larger files and they'll make their choices to have something local rather than SharePoint. Um, but yeah, making sure that you've made that choice is important. Nice call out to a fellow Kiwi there. Oh, absolutely. Is it like safety in numbers, Daryl? Uh, well, yes. It's also because Australians tend to annex Kiwis and claim them as our own. Because they move here for more opportunity than they go to LA and we say, they're Australian. <laughs> You can have you can have um, uh, Rob, whatever his name is, the gladiator, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, Rob. Oh, look at that! How quickly they forget their own. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, coming back to what we were talking about, are you seeing people settling into Office three sixty five now? Absolutely, I think it's become the common standard. It's what it's just expected now. Um, I think though that. Going back to the point of data residency and where the data center is, I don't think that's really playing a big factor. What I would say, though, it's a non-issue anymore. So from a settling into it from an industry perspective, I think now because we have the data center in Australia, it's just, hey, you've got no reason to not go to Office 365 other than your own problems or your own infrastructure or your own mindset, those kind of things. So, yeah, it's not a blocker anymore. As I said, Teams is probably the only blocker because of that in government. But what I've been doing from that perspective is, sorry, going a little bit off topic, is uh, for government organisations that I do work with who say we can't use Teams, I'm like, great, don't do the teamwork part. Do the chat part. And, make, and, uh, and do, have a policy to say that you don't talk about, you know, uh, work. Club. Effectively, you don't talk about work in the chat stuff. You know, you don't is talk about disabling the Teams that is disabling teams, yes. yes. Yeah. And just using it as Skype version 2.0. What Correct. is that, a, a, a governance ethical barrier? I, I support... Don't talk about Fight Club in the, in the Fight Club. <laughs> I, I 100% support the fact that you can actually disable the Teams button in Teams. Right. That's magic. That mm. is magic. Um, I suppose, from an education perspective, now that the data center is in the country, are people more educated on Office 365? Um, no, okay. not at all. all right. Absolutely zero difference from that perspective. As, as we can tell in all honesty by the kinds of questions we get at the conference here. Yeah. And I don't mean any disrespect to yeah. people who, mm. you know, who work in that or who attend. They're here to learn. Um, but no, absolutely zero difference. As I said, the only difference in having it in country, it just unblocked kind of those last people who use that as an excuse. New Zealand has one of the highest um, saturation rates of Office 365. Um, you, it's 
hard to sell a new license because most people are using it, but um, they're not using it to its fullest potential. They've either just turned on mail, they've used it as a way to deploy Office Pro Plus, uh, and that's why you still come to conferences like this Digital Workplace Conference where they're still getting their head around the concepts of um, information architecture, for example, like your great presentation you guys did. Yeah. They do need Thank to you, get, You're welcome. They do need to get that starting point and hear that advice from people that have walked the journey. And I think this is where South Africa, even though you're late to the to the show, you've got partners that have already developed solutions. Mm-hmm. You've got um, plenty of examples around the world and case stories about this is how you do it, this is how to take advantage of it. You're in a country where it is going to be important to, to get that networking optimization right, but you've already followed it. You're going to be following the footsteps of many. And I think to that point, it's one of the things I actually tell customers that I work with that have yet to deploy anything in Office 365 or anything more than Exchange, saying you actually, by being so late to the party, have an opportunity to see everything that's been done before and learn from that instead of learning the hard way or doing something and then the technology changes so it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise yeah but i mean remember too the technology itself has grown up a lot mm. you know it there's a lot more controls in there um being able to, to deploy it in certain ways uh, it's it's not so bad that you're late to it but great to hear the enthusiasm what i would call out though is just because you have a data center doesn't mean all the services are lit up in your data center ah, yes so yama for example is not in country in australia so we have banks. is that a bad thing oh yeah, yeah easy so we have <laughs> banks we have government departments um that use yama but again they have to go through policies or set tools to say you don't talk about sensitive information here or if or they have ways of basically stripping it out if they detect mm. it um, there are other things like just because Office 365 is in your country and Azure is in your country, it doesn't mean that your Azure AD data doesn't leave the country. Mm. So there's actually, and I can't remember the URL, but I'm sure when you publish this, you can put the link to it that actually shows where all the services are in Office 365. And it will say things like, you know, Azure AD is in this country, this country, this country. Mm. So your data is actually in all of those, not just this one. Yeah. Some closing thoughts on, we've spoken about it doesn't matter if the data center is in your country. That doesn't help with educating customers and end users mm. on what the product does. Doesn't, that doesn't impact it. We've spoken about the benefits around unified communications, wasty WANs, all of those things. What about, what about user adoption? That's the last thing I want to ask you, Daryl, because mm. you spend a lot of time in there. Are you finding that because it's in the country, it's easier to do adoption outside of data residency laws? I'll again say no. I okay. mean, the, the, the barriers are down in the sense that it's in-country, so that's okay. But people who are working in these collaborative spaces aren't too concerned about whether or not it's in-country or out. That's more of a policymaker decision right. and governance um, they just want that comfort knowing that it's okay to do this stuff from the cloud. Um, the, 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 channel, the challenges will still be there whether you're in South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. Um, they'll still be slow to um, uptake, right? So you will have a lot of people that are rushing to it now and working with partners to do that. But you could go to a conference there in two years' time and sure you hear some of the same questions that we're hearing here still. So closing thoughts from you, Laurie? I'm I'm happy that you have a data center now, so that that <laughs> final, no, so that final barrier, you know, that final block um, in the sales cycle is, is eliminated. Mm. Um, I think 
you know, it's high time for them to do it, and now there's just no more reason to not do it. So, happy that it's happened. Your side yeah. loss, Jason? I'd, I'd say that um, while there's a lot of interest to moving in there, make sure that you are working with a good partner and that partners are partnering, right? Yeah. So, in this journey where there might be uh, so much resource uh, or lack of resource, make sure that you're um, cooperating with people, communicating clearly what your needs are, and, and making that journey together. Well, thanks, gents, and uh, I'll chat to you soon. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> All right, and uh, moving on to my, well, I'm not sure if it's still my favorite, the jury's art, but going on to our next segment called In the News. Yes, we have lots of news that we haven't talked about, but we're only going to do sort of the more recent-ish stuff. So in that, our first piece of news, Microsoft have announced their planned fluid framework for collaboration. I don't know if you've seen this, Al. So yes, it was announced at Inspire this year. Yeah. And there was talk also about it at SharePoint Conference North America, if yeah. memory serves. Yeah. I mean, they almost back-to-back. One's in May, and then you've got Inspire in July. And yes, it's Microsoft's new modern user experience for lack of a better word and they bring it to pretty much everything yeah the whole idea is it'll touch everything in office 365 right and it's 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 that uh, co-authoring co-editing style of thing so it's still quite early days for the technology as far as i can see but the idea is if you go into excel and you copy a table and you paste it into a Word document or a OneNote or whatever, that link is still live wherever it is you do it. So six months down the line, when you look at that Word document, if somebody's changed the Excel document, it's already updated that table. You know, so you get a, a, a seamless a seamless collaboration across all of your content, which sounds Fantastic. Look, it, it takes How it back. actually works <laughs> yeah. remains to be seen. Well, look, uh, that PTSD that we used to have when people used to have hard-coded links inside of documents on a file share and then they migrated it to SharePoint and they wanted to know if the links would still work. I still get those. I still get that, man. <laughs> Pu- pushing people to 0365. But, it's like, oh, I've got direct X controls from the 80s in my Excel document. What's going to happen? Yeah, and hopefully... This fixes that, right? Yeah, it, it, it should do a lot of that, right? If, if this actually works as advertised, it makes those sorts of workloads that you used to have to do all that complicated stuff for, it makes it basically seamless. Well, look, they started with saying, well, we want the same user experience across all platforms, right? Windows Phone, Xbox, Windows 8 or Windows 10. I can't even remember how old that was. And it was a great idea in theory, but it never really worked. I mean, today's world, Windows 10 is the platform of choice and we're having a similar experience. I mean, the feature parity and the look and feel between something like uh, one uh, OneDrive in the cloud and OneDrive, the sync client inside of Windows Explorer, um, you're getting a lot of that. And I think it's great that Microsoft's spending time thinking about the glue across services or workloads inside of Microsoft 365. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, that's what that's the benefit of Microsoft and the Microsoft product, right? Everything talks to everything else. 
it's still better than any of the alternatives, but not quite as nice as, as we'd all well, like. So well, hey, this is a G- move in that direction. The, the G Suite people will debate that with you, right? Sure. Good good luck to them. Well, look, I, I have this problem, right? People, I've got a few customers that will always come back. I've got a customer in Cape Town currently that is moving, and they're an enterprise customer, and they're moving to Office 365. But for shits and giggles, they brought up G Suite, you know? And I've had a customer, a retail customer as well, saying, yeah, but uh, we pay $12 a user for G Suite. And I'm going, well, yes. And if you compare the $8 a user of an E1, then go compare apples for apples. But don't take the $20 a user when you look at an E3 and want to compare it to your G Suite. Because there is no office on your desktop. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a different thing. If you want to squish all your workflows to fit in that and deal with those programs, sure, you can have that conversation. It's <laughs> well, just, it's not as good. It well, just look, isn't. Nintex at the NWC has a G Suite connector. So you could initiate yeah. a workflow from uploading a document, but there's no Absolutely. structure and it's just all, it's, yeah. it's rubbish. Anyhow, and then that's, that's an additional thing that you then also have to pay for but yeah let, let's uh let's move on that was our first new segment yo i've forgotten how much we faff on this <laughs> so next up skype for business planned phase out is announced well you, you you're missing a word you're missing a word it's skype for business online sure yes if you've got skype for business client running on server and all of that you can still run that and you still will be able to run that for a while. If you are using Skype for Business in the cloud currently, you can still use it and you can still run it for a while and it will be fine. From, I think it's next month. Yeah. Spin up a new tenant. You're not going to get Skype for Business. You're going to get Teams. Well, look, I actually spent a week in in Seattle and Redmond um, talking to the Skype people and the Teams people and and all of those things, and it's we even had a, a Skype MCM in the room. Uh, his name's Richard, powerful, great guy, and and I completely understand why Skype for Business was or, or, or the old link or the unified comm stuff, um, OCS was and still is very powerful when it comes to the telephony side. So all your direct routing and those things, magic things. I mean, Skype for Business was never great at sharing files. It was cool for IM and you could make a call and you could phone, you could do trunk calling, right? You phone a, a normal landline or a cell phone and there was breakout and, and that's magic, right? And if you look at where Teams is going with it, fine. And they, Microsoft wants you to move from Skype for Business online or even Skype for Business on-prem to Teams. And for the people that worry about doing that, Lorian Stant actually wrote an article of how to disable or hide the Teams button. So use Teams as Skype for Business. It's just purple, right? Or blurple, whatever the color is. Yeah. And and that should be the natural progression to move people from that. It's even better than Skype for Business. You know, yeah. Teams can it, make the call and all, all, that. all that sort of stuff. If it's not available now in Teams, it is coming, right? Well, um, the feature parity is one-to-one, right? Even yeah. with the um, call quality stuff, the, the TMS stuff on the back end, um, when you start looking at your trunk calls and how you can do a SIP stuff, um, it's... It's so cool that even Audio Codes has got a, a month-to-month payment plan with an appliance sitting in Asia. Yeah, and, and then you and then you get all of the other benefits of Teams, right? 
you get the recordings and it goes into stream and the groups and all the integrations. It's lovely. I love Teams. Like it, it is, it is a better platform than Skype for Business. I mean, look, Skype for Business isn't really a platform, whereas Teams is. So, well, well, look, look. Let's be fair and say that um, Teams is the everything source. And if if you don't have Teams in your life, you're not going to succeed. I think that is the the global message and strategy for Microsoft. So lead with Teams, and and there are ancillary services that we happen to call Office 365 that sits in the back and that makes everything work right. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, moving on. Staying on the theme of Teams, the themes, whatever, announced uh, Kaizala Pro features coming to Teams. So stuff like the cards and things like that. So there'll be some amount of parity between Kaizala and Teams, which is quite interesting. I'm just looking forward to interoperability between the two of them. So you can message somebody in Teams from Kaizala and vice versa. Or you can have groups that cross-pollinates between Kaizala numbers and Teams people. And I, I haven't seen a lot of noise since Microsoft announced that Kaizala will be coming Teams, right? Yeah. Well, that was done the beginning of the year where, um, like you've seen the shift with Skype to Teams, um, my understanding is that Kaizala, there's more better integration. And in March, myself and Tracy actually did some a demo for the MVPs at the MVP Summit on how to integrate Kaizala with Teams. I, I think that what they need to do if they're not going to like do what they did with Staffer, call it shifts and move it into Teams, their first protocol would be to make sure that the Kaizala Admin Center is actually part of the M365 Admin Centers. Because it's not, right? You go to your own Admin Center and that's where you manage Kaizala. And then yeah. with Pro, where if, you're, if you've got a, a, a kiosk an F1 uh, sure. license, then you can manage your user inside of Kazala's admin center. Well, you, you, you need the Kazala Pro license. You yes, which is like 12, yeah. 12 rand a month or something. Yeah. Um, and those users are then, then in there, right? Or if you've yeah. got if you've got a, an e-license, you've got Kazala Pro, right? Really? I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah. So cool. you can have... If you buy Kaizala Pro, I think it's 12 Rand a, a user per month or something. Yeah. So anyone that doesn't have an email inside of Office 365. You can you then can, invite via Kaizala. Yeah. But if you want the Pro features for that user, um, you can get them a Kaizala Pro license, which is $12. And then yeah. They and then they get anyone. the admin and, and whatever. Yeah. But if yeah. You, you, you can invite people via phone number into, yeah. a, into a Kaizala Pro group. And they get access to all of the actions and et cetera, et cetera. And you can use that to feed the info back into your structure yeah, environment. I, I, I don't, I don't think that. it's unlimited though. So if you look at Teams, right, there's a there's a one to five ratio of the amount of external guests per... Uh, I, don't, I don't believe so. I mean, again, like I, I, I'm not an expert in this, but I believe you can invite whoever you want into the groups. Like you just need to be able to make the groups, and for oh, that on the, you need on the, the Kazala side, yes, on the Kazala, yeah. yeah. How how that will work as you're feeding those people into Teams? Ah, I don't know. 
All right, moving along. Moving along. Um, sticking with teams, for one last thing. They're bringing Atlas Mentions to teams. What does that mean? At the moment, just like in uh, Outlook, you can at mention people in teams, or you can at mention groups of people or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you go at and whatever, just like on Twitter or whatever. It will now do the same thing without the at. So if you type in the person's name, it will recognize, oh, you're talking about this person, and it will make it an at mention. It'll autocomplete for you and whatever, and the people, it'll come up in their timeline like they've been at mentioned and, and all of that. So just a, a, a little ease of use thing. You don't actually have to use the at sign. Wow, it's going to save me so much time during the day. Hey, like if you're a heavy Teams user, that is a quality of life improvement. 47 seconds a day, right? The whole 47 seconds. Imagine what you could get up to. So so this is a SharePoint show. Do you have any SharePoint news? I do. There's actually uh, quite a bunch. So... Uh, there's nothing in the... Well, uh, it's, okay. is, isn't, there? Web, isn't, web there? isn't there? Isn't there? Isn't there? Isn't there? There's web so actually... The thing is, SharePoint Framework is the same tool chain used for Teams. So I don't know if these web parts are you referring to as for Teams or for SharePoint. I'm seeing them in the SharePoint context, right? All right. So for, but first off, before we get into all the web parts and stuff, bulk approvals of content in SharePoint online is now a thing that can happen. So if you're using the 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 sort of built-in approval mechanisms, like which is basically Flow, right? You can now... By selecting multiple things pending approval, you can bulk approve files, documents in SharePoint, which is very cool. So that's like doing a migration when you're copying 200 files and you can bulk approve them Yeah, if it's something switched on in your library. Yeah, that's actually a question I get asked quite a lot in process management and, and document management stuff like, oh, do I really have to go to each one and approve it? And my answer is typically... Yes. yes, you're approving it. Like, if you're bulk approving it, what's the point of having the approval in the first place? But it's a question that gets asked, so that's a thing you can actually do. Um, and then there are a bunch new of new web parts. So they've got uh, buttons and call-to-action web parts for your communication sites that look quite pretty. New world clock and weather web parts. I'm sure a bunch of third-party developers who have made their money for many moons making... Uh, weather web pods for SharePoint are unhappy that Microsoft's getting into it. Amrand Engineering. I think we all know who that guy is. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that's always a thing. Like, I don't know why, but every internet I've ever built, somebody always asks, like, oh, can we have the weather in, like, a time, the clock on it? Like, fucking why? A waste of space. But it's a thing people want, and now Microsoft is just giving it to you. And it looks pretty good. It really does look nice. And with the new updates, you can put in multiple locations and and that sort of stuff. Well, so Valor cool. still has clocks and stuff in their yeah. features for uh, the base Valor internet product. Yeah. I um, think buying tuning also has wants it. Yeah, yeah, everybody wants those web pods. I don't know why. I don't know why it's actually useful for your web page, but for whatever. One of the a few really cool things, Hero web pod for news. So actually um, dynamic, basically a dynamic hero web part, right? That'll feed from your news feed. That's very cool. Like I love that hero web part. The fact that it was static and you had to put in everything manually was irritating as hell. 
So now you can pull your news into a hero web part. Is that what you're saying? No, the news web part has a hero layout. So you can turn the news web part into, so that it looks like the hero web part. But that's what I said. It, you it, can it's pull basically your news the same thing. into a hero web part. <laughs> sort of. The hero web part is still its own thing and is still static. So it's a bit different. That's the one thing I don't miss about you correcting my grammar on the show. And like the, those little things are important, okay? Subtle nuances, right? Subtle yeah. nuances, yes. I, I see it as an idiosyncrasy of the show. <laughs> I guess. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be accurate than idiosyncratic, I suppose. Wow, boom. Just drop that verbosity right there. And on the show, you can, if you are into verbose language, um, just follow at uh, Rod Modlin, yeah. At Odd Modlin, yeah. At Odd Modlin. So what else? The biggest one, the huge thing is you can now do custom query filtering in highlighted content web parts, which is huge, right? I I can't agree with you there because I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So there's a highlighted content web part in SharePoint Online. Gotcha. I understand. Um, So you could say whatever. Now you can do custom queries. So only show from this site, from this person, this content type. That is is a nipple stand worthy. All the the stuff we used to do in the the search results web part, right? When we used to be on-prem. The, the well, content, content query, query. Content, content query web part, right? People made, Those their, ones. made their names on using content queries. Yes. So now you can do very similar actions using the highlighted content uh, web part, which is great because there wasn't actually any way to do that yeah. in SharePoint Online without just custom coding it, right? So now you, you've, you've actually got a way to do that, which is super exciting. I haven't played around with it myself, but looking forward to that. So, in the interest of making sure that the show is new, I actually use the mute button on my microphone when I vape. The editor, which is me, thanks you. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Mr. Modlin, that you have? That That's what I've got for news. You've got a couple, uh, you've got a yes, couple pieces. Yes. When I joined the company that I work for, Tangent, um, we were a custom dev shop, and one of the things that, that my boss wanted that he was infuriated by was a year ago, Microsoft canned the idea for creating a Linux client for Teams. And lo and behold, in this week, on user voice, they listed that a Linux client for Teams is coming. That's tactic. Who's using Linux and Teams? Dude. So think about your custom your developers, right? We've got a we've got a big, uh, well, MacBooks have just become more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. So we work on a Mac e, uh, ecosystem. Our developers build on top of Mac, and everything runs on Mac. And they would rather go from Mac to Linux before they go to Windows. Okay. So there's a lot of developers out there that run on top of Linux. Okay. And there's yeah, a lot that, of Slack that makes people, sense. and okay. also there's a Linux client for Slack. Sure. So naturally, Microsoft, and also because what did Microsoft do? Microsoft said, well, hey, guys, Teams has got, I think it was uh, 13 million active users a day. So they've passed Slack. The Slack people got annoyed, and they've tweaked their Electron app because there's some components of that is that is um, Electron and in the Slack client. And what they've also done is they've given you some offline capability going, well, Teams, you can't run offline. Because teams can't. 
So what did Microsoft do? Well, they it's a constant sort of Slack was in the news now recently, and obviously now Linux is good. Well, Microsoft's going well. Let's go tap the Slack people and go well. You know what? Let's create a Linux client. I'm excited about it. I want to run that on my Raspberry Pi 4 with 4 gigs. I'd love to see that. On top of Raspbian. Yeah, super useful to have Teams on your Raspberry Pi. Come on, man. It, it, it might be as useful as running Teams on an actual Pi. On an actual Pi? Yes. Like, like a blueberry Pi? Like a blueberry Pi, yeah. Not a Bluetooth Pi, a blueberry Pi. I mean, I, I get it. Microsoft everywhere, right? It doesn't matter what platform you're on. You have access to everything. So uh, what else is there? The last but not least, there's the mute notifications in Teams. So you can switch the stuff off. Yay. Yes, the guys at the office are excited about it. I actually don't know about it because they posted it on you know, in one of, our, one of our teams to say, yay, they've got that. Yeah, man, I get so many bloody notifications. Like my, my computer is constantly dinging and buzzing and like I can't even. You can't even. Yeah, there's too many, too many things trying to get my attention. Yeah. Look, for me, I, I still want I still want that um, fast switching for teams. Yes, that would be very cool. Um, I'm currently at a client long term, and I'm in their teams environment. Basically, I'm just not on my my office teams environment anymore, which is less than ideal, but whatever. All right, I think that's it for in the news. Fantastic! That was a good roundup, and we did it not too slowly. All right, so, so moving on, um, my favorite segment of the week is a new features I didn't know about of the week. Sweet. What do we have, Al? The new to-do app is here. New to-do. The new to-do. So, Microsoft so I, liked, I quite liked to-do. What does the new to-do do that the old to-do didn't do? Well, the first one, planner integration. Cool. That is, that is hot. That is super de duper hot, Mister Modlin. How can I, 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 we don't have to list the rest? Of the so, stuff. so that means when they work out the planner project integration, the to do app will then pull your project tasks via your planner boards into that location too. That's pretty look, cool. Look, baby steps, right? Baby steps. Yeah, I mean that. That's not now. They're still working out what that integration is, but. If they've got the path from planet to do, then that will happen when the other one happens. Yeah, and remember, Ignite is around the corner, so we do not know what they're talking about. Ab- absolutely, we're going to get lots and lots of news out of that. Yeah, so uh, there's a new skin for it. It looks a bit better. Um, uh, there's also some cool uh, migrations from Wonderlist. People are still very excited about that. There was also a new Mac version. Um, that uh, debuted uh, earlier this year. But I think for me, the the big thing is being able to integrate into Planner and also uh, use, uh, have a better use of SmartList and also the new uh, My Day feature, which is quite cool because it'll actually push through your tasks to your My Day so you get a holistic view of what's going on. Awesome. It's actually quite interesting uh, on how all of this uh, comes through. But yes, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm happy to go back to to do because I tried it um, with Lauren Strand, and um, I wasn't that impressed because he uses it. 
And I think, well, he uses it for his household. So, uh, like a shopping list where his wife can add stuff to it. And when he gets to the shop, he has to buy more stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I do that too. We don't use to do. We use some random shopping. Oh, list okay. Like, I, I like the idea of to do bringing it, bringing your stuff together from everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's quite cool. That's it, it. I'm excited about that. Um, and I will try to do again now that they've got a redesigned one and the fact that they've got plan integration. So to do, you can actually take to do into the enterprise. Nice. Speaking of things I tried and then forgot, like didn't like, and, and think I'm going to go back to, did you know that the um, store version of OneNote has a dark theme? Like a full I don't theme. like the UWP one. I, I hate it with a passion. But it's got a dark theme. <laughs> like a proper dark theme. Like the section pages are dark. Not just the ribbon. I don't use dark themes for anything. Oh, OneNote is the one thing on my desktop besides Notepad that doesn't have a dark theme. Well, now it does, right? <laughs> yeah, except I'm not using that one. So I must try it out. <laughs> You're going to try to do again? I'm going to try UWP OneNote I, again. I, 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 I don't like the UWP. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan last time I tried it either. So we'll 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 both try something out though. So then it's time for our last segment of the show. Oh, good God, man! Go with the flow. This is my go with the flow, which is our power platform related segment. I I preferred. Can I just say I preferred the PowerShell commandlet of the week. I. I did have fun with that, and it might come back every now and then. But <laughs> I do think the Power Platform stuff is more relevant for the majority of our oh, users. So you've changed the name now, the Power Platform. It's no longer no, just about Flow. I, I, I think, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's all of a piece now, right? Uh, it's not just Flow. It, it's all of a. It's it's all of a thing. So uh, <sighs> uh, odds random segment that he makes up the name of. That day as we record of the week. So today I've got two little bits, um, specifically for Power Apps, actually. I've been asking for quite a while for external access to Power Apps, right? You can make these experiences. How cool would it be if you could share these outside of your organization? And that's coming, sort of. So there's two ways you can get people to view your Power Apps. First of all, if you've got a model-driven app, there's Power Apps portals. So you can put up a model-driven app uh, and publish it, and then people can come in externally. Either you can have them authenticate, or you can actually do it anonymous access. Although like there's there's all sorts of licensing things around model-driven apps, and I think around the, <sighs> the portals as well. But that is super exciting. And um, you can have guests in your network, in your tenant, access your Canvas apps. That's coming into public preview now, which is cool. But, you know, they've, they've got to have a guest account. You've got to give them a license, um, all of that. Um, what are you doing, Al? I'm flipping between the viewfinder and the screen of my Nikon camera. Because that's more exciting than what you just said right now. <laughs> There's such bullshit. And the last little piece, I'll keep it brief um, so that Al doesn't die of boredom, apparently. Wait, wait, what What other piece? It says external access on the show notes, mate. It Is says external more? access, exclamation mark, 
sort of in brackets plus components. Wow. So Echo, set a timer for one minute. One minute, starting now. Echo, set alarm for 3 a.m. So components, right? There's a thing, if you haven't seen it yet, really go play with it in, in Power Apps and Canvas Apps. It's really cool. You can create components which are reusable sections, right? Either controls or whole screens, whatever you want to do. And then you can reuse them in that app or you can export them and import them into other apps. So you can have the standard banner for your business and use that in all power apps. Um, if you've got a pop-up window, you can reuse that. If you want a specific search box, you can do that. Buttons or whatever. They're really, really cool. Should make reusability of power apps and things you do in power apps a lot easier. Uh, and you don't need to code pieces, right? You get sort of a separate canvas that you can build onto. <laughs> Echo, stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, derail my train of thought, hey? You get sort of a separate canvas that you build the thing in, like you would build a normal canvas app, and then it treats that as like one container. And you can't see all the bits in the container when you're building it, you say, here are my inputs, here are my outputs, and then those become attributes on the component when you add it into the app. So it's just like, it's really cool. It's really cool. And that's it, Al. Hey, wasn't much more than your minute. Well, you started five minutes before that. I had to curtail it by adding an alarm for a minute. <laughs> Man, you talked for like half an hour about fucking to do. It's like we all need another task gap in our lives. You can't be, don't be hating to do, mate. But why not? It's the thing to do. Well, you just, uh, it's go with the power platform now, not just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, I need to come up with the, something a bit snappier. So how's this? To, to the listeners, um, can you come up with a name for my segment that I can, I can do all these cool stuff and I can't get angry about it? Can, can so, you, so can please you come up with hit us name? up on Twitter. Because nobody rates the show, we ask them every every week, every to, week, to, like to, if, to if, review. If every week being the end of January. <laughs> well, when when we had regular cadence, which we're getting back to now, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Anyhow, all right. Is that it, Mister Modlin? I think that is it, Al. So thank you all very much for listening to us this week. You can find us online. You can find our website twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. You can find us on Twitter, Two Guys SharePoint. Uh, I'm on Twitter at OddModland, and L is at Alistair Pugin. And we should very much be back in the swing of things. So hopefully, you can find us again here next week. Oh, for sure, you'll definitely find us here. I'm 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 in country, and uh, Modlin's got a routine now on a Thursday with the little guy. Um, well, he he makes sure that the dummy is dipped in brandy, so. So that he, he knocks the little guy out earlier rather than later. Um, and, and that's how we get to do the show currently. <laughs> but yes, um, if you have anything, hit us up. We will start monitoring our at two guys SharePoint Twitter account again. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.
only show. <laughs> <laughs>